You're listening to the Daily Mishnah Podcast with Benedict. It's interesting that I don't, well, I don't know whether it's significant that as I'm coming back to Jerusalem just for one night to record uh, this particular episode of the podcast and to this particular shear that the Mishnah is seems to be focusing back down really into the center of the of the temple and we were dealing yesterday with the questions of um, curtains in the Beit Midash and a curtain that becomes defiled what we do with it and are we talking about just the curtain that is right in front of the Kodesh Kodeshim, just the curtain right in front of the Holy of Holies? Or are we talking about any one of the 13 curtains which are around the, the temple? And we were, we let's say we, we, we left off a little bit unsure here. But as we pick up the story in the fifth Mishnah of the eighth chapter, it seems that we are talking about the one in front of, or the one or the two in front of the Holy of Holies. Because this is an extraordinary curtain. And, and Rabban Shimon Gamliel says, so we hear from Rabban Shimon Ben Gamliel. So he's speaking after the destruction, actually. So he's taking after, he's taking over from Rabbi Yochanan Ben Zakkai. Sorry. Sorry, Rabban Gamliel is taking over from Yochanan ben Zakkai. Rabban Shimon ben Gamliel, this is Rabban Shimon Gam, ben Gamliel the elder, so he is before Rabbi, Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai. So he is the last, um, he's before the destruction. So he does remember. So he says, Rabban Shimon ben Gamliel, Omer Mishum Rabbi Shimon ben Haskan. This is in the name of, of Rabbi Shimon, son of the deputy. This seems to be the deputy high priest, or this is the way Gahati translates it anyway. Deputy high priest. Parochet avya tefach. The curtain was a hand's breadth in thickness. So it's about three, three inches thick. It's an extraordinary curtain. Ve'al shivim ushtayim mimim ne'ereget. And it's woven on 72 nimim now what a nim is it might be 72 cords so maybe where there's a cloth with 72 cords or maybe these are 72 um, poles which are supporting the cords we're, we're not quite sure it might be if it's a near it's a pole which the cords are tied to and if it's a nim it's a it's a cord so we're not quite sure of the nusaf here and the Kaufman manuscript, by the way, stops at this point. So I, I, I don't I, usually interrupt in the middle. Uh, today we have like with cotton, we have 300 count, 400 count. So that, that would be like uh, 72 um, threads in, in a square inch, uh, like they measure today, I guess. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it might be 72 threads per square inch, but, but, but yeah, possibly it's 72 threads per square inch. But but it seems to be amazingly fat because it's 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 a it's a tefach wide, so it's three inches wide. So I mean yes, so these might be this might be like 72, 720 threads per square inch, but 
But I'm wondering if these aren't fatter chords, and that's why it's such a fat curtain. And we'll hear in a minute, it's an incredibly large curtain. Well, let's get on to the end of the Mishnah. We'll see why it seems to be an incredibly large object. So we've got these 72 chords, whatever they are. They are kol nima v'nima, on each chord, on each rod. Esrim v'ar ba'achotin, there are 24, 24 um, threads hanging off it. And we know that it's got four different colours. So these are six threads per colour. It's 40 cubits long and it's 20 cubits broad. A cubit is about half a yard. So it's 20 yards long and it's 10 yards broad. This is a gigantic curtain. And it's made by 82 ribu. And again, we don't know what Rebu is. Now, um, the Maimonides says, this is a measure of money. It was essentially an 820,000 gold dinar cloth. The value of this cloth was 822,000. And some people try and learn not Rebu with an Aleph, but Rebo with a, with a Vav and a Tuf. And that can refer to a young girl as if there are 82 young girls threading it. And we know... Today, I mean, you go to Afghanistan, you'll see young children um, weaving um, weaving carpets. So children weave carpets because they've got small fingers. But so we, I don't I don't know whether it's value or children. I mean, it's very interesting that Rambam Maimonides says this is value. No, he has he's very he's very good at pshat, by the way. So normally we would kind of we go with Maimonides. And there were two curtains. Every year they'd make two curtains. And we need three. It's, this thing is so heavy that it needs 300 priests to immerse it. And again, the Talmud uh, in the Yerushalmi explains that this 300 is sort of an approximation. It's not exactly 300, but some vast number of Kanim are needed to lift it in order to immerse it. So this, we, we don't quite know what it is. It's very, very frustrating that Kaufman is missing this page. <laughs> but it seems to be some kind of absolutely extraordinary curtain. And it's actually described in Josephus. So Josephus in uh, The Wars of the Jews, he says the, uh, the doors were 55 cubits high and 16 breadth. And before these doors was a veil of equal largeness with the doors. So that's interesting. So he is slightly larger than the 20 by 40 that we have in the Mishnah. And he says it's a Babylonian curtain and it's, it's got these four colours. It's got blue, linen, scarlet and purple. And it was a kind of image of the universe, he says. So by the scarlet, they seem to be enigmatically signified fire, earth, the air, the purple. It, it seems... And it, it just seems to be an extraordinary curtain and we can't quite imagine what it was like. But we have these very early witnesses. So that's the curtain if it became defiled. What about the sacrifices? Basar What about if meat from 
the holy sacrifices. So this is things which have been sacrificed from in these called sheikhoshim. So this is olot or chatot. Um, the meat becomes defiled. Bain ba'av hatuma, bain vlad hatuma. Whether it's a primary uncleanness or whether it's a secondary uncleanness. And we said yesterday a primary uncleanness, for example, is someone who's been overnight, who's been in the same tent or touched a dead body. A secondary uncleanness is something, maybe that person um, uh, drinks some wine and then that wine acquires secondary uncleanness. So whether primary or secondary, Beit Shammai say it must all be burnt within. Beit um, um, sorry, let, let, let's just pick up. Let, let's just pick up the Mishnah again. But av tumah bein vlad tumah, whether it's primary or secondary uncleanness, bein bishnim bein bachutz, whether the defilement happens inside the temple or outside the temple, inside or outside. So there's primary, secondary, and there's inside or outside. Bein shemay omrim hakodi saref bishnim, bein shemay say everything gets burned inside. Except something that was defiled by primary uncleanness outside. And everything must be burned outside except that was defiled, that which was defiled by secondary uncleanness within. So they have these two views. We'll come back and check these views in a sec. But I just want to look at the next Mishnah because there are two more views in the next Mishnah. Rabbi Eliezer Omer, anything that was defiled by a primary uncleanness, whether it's this happens inside or outside, is burnt outside. If it's defiled by a primary uncleanness, it's burnt outside. And if it was defiled with a secondary uncleanness, it's burnt inside, whether this happens inside or outside. And Rabbi Akiva goes according to the location. Rabbi Akiva Omer, Makom Tumator Sham Srefator. It's quite poetic. Makom Tumator Sham Srefator. Wherever it's defiled, there it's burnt. He's much more pragmatic. And it's, it's not easy just to absorb the Mishnah first time round. And so I tabulated it for you. And you can see it tabulated on the source sheet if you just jump into the source sheet. And on the top left-hand corner, we've got Beit Shammai, who basically burn inside. So Beit Shammai will essentially say, look, if I've got holy things that are becoming pure, I burn them in the temple. And the only exception is if it acquires some primary impurity outside, we're not going to bring it in to burn it. We're not going to bring stuff into the temple that's impure. impure. So if it's acquired some kind of primary impurity, we're not going to bring it in to burn it. But everything else we burn inside. That's Beit Shema. And then Beit Hillel are next to them on, on the right-hand side of the screen. And Beit Hillel basically burn everything outside. The only thing they'll burn inside is something that acquired secondary impurity inside. So it acquires some impurity inside. It's, it's only rabbinic. We don't have to get rid of it. We can burn it inside. Otherwise, everything, all this stuff stays out of the temple. If it's impure, keep it out of the temple. That's essentially Beit Hillel. And Rabbi Eliezer goes according to the severity of the impurity. So if there's an Av Tumar, primary impurity, he says burn outside. Secondary impurity, Vlad Tumar, burn it inside. 
And Rabbi Akiva goes according to location. So Rabbi Akiva is driven by location. So he says, look, if it became pure inside, if it became impure inside, we burn it inside. If it became impure outside, we burn it outside. And it's interesting that we finish with Rabbi Akiva. I'm, I'm actually not sure which way the halacha goes, but it's interesting that Mishnah closes with Rabbi Akiva. And of course, we are focused here on location. We are locating ourselves closer and closer to the Kodesh Kodoshim. So maybe it's significant that we finish with Rabbi Akiva, who says essentially this stuff is driven by location. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Daily Mishnah Podcast with Benedict. <laughs>